greetings and happy new year. Many new year. Yes. That's, Hello, that's Carl. my Eddie Murphy from Trading Places. <laughs> Hello, at the, Carl. at the end of the movie, when they're on the train and Eddie's acting crazy, he says, Merry New Year. I like that. That's a good Many one. Merry New Year. It's Eddie. It's Eddie Murphy. We'll talk to our guest, Alex McPherson, in just a second. Around minute four, we will talk the most disappointing films of the year for us. Then around minute 18, our honorable mentions. Around minute 33, the best of the year. Or if you want to skip ahead to one hour and 13 minutes, our top films of the year. All right. Well, that's that's uh, that's a good that's way a to thing. start 2024. And we have joining us today our, our, our young, insightful uh, uh, film reviewer, Alex mcpherson of pop life stl and other online outlets good morning alex good morning thanks for having me back (laughs) well we always enjoy hearing your take on the world because you're young and you have different ways of looking at things for instance carl (laughs) i thought i thought napoleon was a colossal waste of time And, and alex did not and alex finds it hilarious I mean, it's not hilarious, but, you know, it's... Does he find it hilarious for the right reasons? I mean, I think it's like a dark comedy in some ways, you know? But was it supposed to be that? I think it was. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is going crazy in some of those scenes. That's what he does. So at last night at the Golden Globes, Nicolas Cage and Joaquin Phoenix and someone else were all at the same table. (laughs) And my nephews were like, that is the table to be at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot who else because it was like all the quirky, weird people, you know. Well, I think they're I think they're like tables of 10 or 12 because you have to have all those people that are at the same, you know, with the same project at the same table. Right. But those guys were just kind of like the kids table. Right. <laughs> No, the the only murders in the building table would have been great, too, because that's where Meryl and Steve and Marty and Selena were all. That would have been a fun table. That's right. But who cares about the Golden Globes, Lynn? Do you think they redeemed themselves? Yes, they did, except one of my least favorite films of the year, Upset Barbie for Best Comedy or Musical. Yeah, I know. That's it's on my list as well. See, okay, so we're going to do the uh, best and, as I like to say, most disappointing films of the year. But Alex is much better than we are. This this these millennials, they're like, we don't think of things as worse. Everybody gets a trophy. So Alex doesn't have the most disappointing movies of the year. I'm just no. about championing good films. You know, I don't want to. Yes, that's that's. <laughs> And you know what, Alex? I agree with you. That's why I don't have the worst films of the year. These are the films I'm most disappointed in because mm. I try not to see bad movies. I have people that I trust and I don't want to see bad movies. And so I try not to. Like I want I was half heartedly thinking of going to Night Swim last week and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And from everything I've heard, I made the right choice. That's what I uh, heard too. I decided not to. And, yep. and, our, bu- and our buddy Max Boise, who even loves these January horror films because he's as a big fan, said, I made the right choice by not going. He said mm-hmm. he's sorry he went. 
So let's, since Alex does not have a most disappointing list, Lynn has five and I have 10. Ladies first, oh. Lynn. Oh, you have 10. I have 10 and reasons for all of them. But I, I will keep it short. Uh, Napoleon. Mm-hmm. The and, and yours are yours are in no order. No, Napoleon. Two hours and thirty-eight minutes of my life I would like back. I knew nothing more about Napoleon going in, leaving as I did going in. I think that's a big hit, or I mean, a big miss. Poor things is sex with the child. I just want to point that out. Sex with a child. She is the brain of a toddler. Oh, isn't she liberated? Isn't she a funny? No. She's being taken advantage of. Just in a man's world. She's orchestrated. It's a cross between Dr. Frankenstein, done by David Lynch, and David Cronenberg and uh, and Caligula, and a little bit of Wes Anderson in terms of the production design. I'll give it the production design and but, the costuming, but I don't get it. it. I don't too. get the love. I don't get the love for it, and I it's wildly popular. Me, me, and uh, the New York Times, and Max Boise and Jim Bats. We are in the minority. Because a lot of people that we know love, love, love this movie. And it beat Barbie last night. So, um, Cocaine Bear was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Just totally. Why can you not appreciate Cocaine Bear for what Cocaine Bear is? Because it's I mean, gross. Is it, it's like ridiculous is a, a positive. It's supposed to be ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. What do you not understand? I know, right, but it's but it's but it's gross. Alex and I, both Alex and I disagree with you. Okay, well, limbs, you know, limbs coming off all the time. Do, just do do do. Do you and not then, like John Wick? I love John Wick. Okay, different, different. Okay, Saltburn. <laughs> I I admire that cast, and I think Rosamund Pike is really good as these this mother. Rotten Rich Mother. And I think Jacob Elordi is going to be this huge star. And Barry Keegan, God bless him, has found a lane. And it's like every weirdo in the world. I, hear, I heard him called Barry Keoghan the other day. Man, I, th I think if you or go to the... I, I, I heard both vowels pronounced the other day. And I said, now I don't know. Well, now I'm going to have to go back and listen. I I try to do those those uh, yes, sound pronunciations because of radio, mm -hmm. just like right. Killian Murphy, Sersha Ronan, Sersha, uh, you know, and and so I go I go look for them. Oh, F O E, talk about a disappointment. Paul Mescal and Sersha Ronan in the same movie. How exciting! Oh, you it's know, so Carl, boring. You were that there. movie is so boring. Oh. Nothing happens. No, no. And then uh, there's a couple others, but I didn't go through my list. So uh, we'll have to talk about them another time. But I think those are the big five. Okay, well, let so, me let me run yes. through my 10. 
Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy on Disney Plus is not good. Uh, skip it. Uh, Fair Play on Netflix is just uh, some of the same reasons you didn't like Poor Things uh, can apply to Fair Play. Uh, Screen Six uh, might be our last one, and that's very unfortunate because it ends with a thud. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, was so not good and so disappointing, it made me not watch the Marvels until a week ago. I'm like, eh, I don't like where this is going. And then we'll talk more about the Marvels later. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I was disappointed with for the one reason. The way it ends. It and they should have kept it, they should have called it part one and kept that instead of giving it three different names. It just ends it ends on a cliffhanger. I imagine little kids very upset right now. The same way I felt when I was nine years old and watched The Empire Strikes Back. And then I had to wait three years. These kids only have to wait like 18 months. So I that that disappointed me. Number five, Lynn, is poor things because not for the reasons you don't like it. The reasons I don't like it is because it strays from the book. In the book, she's actually older and is more of a teenager when she starts her sexual um extravaganzas but the they changed the ending of the book the ending of the book has her husband spreading all these lies about her that she's a frankenstein that she had all the sex it's more it's the movie's actually more liberating than the book was because the book was just a revenge fantasy and i also think if they're going to change the ending of the book they should have changed the ending to keep willem dafoe's character alive rather than the other guy uh number four all right lynn what do you have to say about that you didn't know I any did, of that i didn't i didn't know the book i'm tired of male screenwriters writing for women to liberate writing them. for women in terms of sexual agency um and i'm also i'm having little intolerance at my age now okay. um, being being weird for weird sake you know, I get it. I get it. It's, I get it's longer it. I than get, it should be. I get it. You know, I get shock value. I get, oh, we're just trying to be, you know. This is Emma Stone's Red Sparrow. Because uh, Jennifer Lawrence wanted to be naked because she wanted to take the pictures that were stolen from her. She wanted to take her body back. And I I guess this is Emma Stone's uh, version of that. Just to be full frontal naked in this movie. I mean, I I enjoy poor things a lot more than you guys did, but I do agree that it's way too long. Like I it think is too it, long. Did, it did not need to be two and a half hours, but just not. I think yeah, Emma Stone's performance, it's one of the best of the year. Even if you don't like the movie, I think she's incredible in it. But it's got a good cast. Well, yeah, you know what? Amazing. That that leads me to um uh, the next two movies that I'm going to talk about that I was disappointed in, uh, number four is Oppenheimer. I was disappointed in Oppenheimer because Me of too, the first girl. 45 minutes. If it wasn't for the first, if, if Nolan wouldn't have done that metaphor crap every five minutes or so, look, a spark of idea. 
we get it. It's a movie about Oppenheimer. He's building the bomb, a spark of an idea here, a spark of an idea there. And Lynn, you should be offended. What they did to Florence Pugh in that movie made her just a sexual object. And so I was disappointed in Oppenheimer. If it would have been two hours and a half, I would have been fine with it. It was that one's too long and doesn't need to be. And I don't know why there's all the love. There's all these Nolan sycophants are willing to forgive just because they love Christopher Nolan. He is a genius. It is a mess. <laughs> BS, Lynn. Alex, what do you say? I mean, yeah, I think it has great individual moments in it. Performances. And, yeah, the performances are great. is great. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a big spectacle, and I don't know if it has all that much to say, really. Like, it takes a long time to get its points across. Um, yeah, I think it's mainly the last hour that kind of lost oh. me in Oppenheimer. Like, I actually liked the beginning more than the end. Just, I mean, I wasn't as engaged in the courtroom drama or... Well, that's, I mean, a, to what, that's a totally different movie that we, we've yeah. been sitting with for the last two hours. Mm -hmm. the, you, the, have, uh, you have all these new characters showing up. Just why? And I think it's like, I feel like it's structured a lot like a, a bunch of montages too. So, and like the music's always going on in the background. So I don't know. <laughs> it, yes. It's like the flow is strange for a three hour movie. I'm like, I kind of want to sit in these scenes a little longer without just going to the next thing or jumping back in time, changing color schemes and aspect ratios the flow, and everything. The flow yeah. is not, it, it, it's jumpy, but it does have good performances, which leads mm -hmm. me to my third most disappointing movie of the year is Killers of the Flower Moon, because I love the individual performances in that, and that story needed to be told, but that movie needs an editor, just like The Irishman did. Marty can do whatever he wants, and that's what the studio is letting them do. Lily Gladstone is amazing, and I w I'm glad she's winning awards because she is the best thing about that movie. She is, and I agree with you. And I was very disappointed, and I was looked at like I had two heads after the movie because I didn't say it was a masterpiece. But I have issues with the book translation. And and I have issues with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. And but that, uh, that is, that is I'm I'm glad the story is out there. I'm glad the story is being told of yeah. what that happened to those people. But I, this was not the best way to do it. No, I think it's going to be. I'm I'm anxious to see it on a small screen. It's going to start on Apple uh, Plus TV or TV Plus on uh, January twelfth. And that's Friday. That's Friday. Yeah. And I yep. want to see how it translates on a smaller screen because maybe I will well, identify it. But I still think they concentrated too much on the villains and not enough on the Native Americans right. whose story it is. And I would have liked to have seen more of them. Yes. And Marty at the end, that movie could have been 45 minutes shorter. We don't. We get it. He's messing with her diabetes medicine. We don't need to see that four times. Uh, my um, second, my runner up for most disappointing film of the year is I don't, whatever they paid Ellen Bernstein was not enough for Exorcist Believer, that movie. And we, we love that the Jennifer Nettles is good as the mom. And you have uh, Norbert Leo Butts in that movie. And those kids. Uh, I 
was very disappointed. What they did to Chris at the end of that movie was just unfortunate. And what they did with Halloween, they all three of them had diminishing returns. The first one was good. The second one started good and got horrible. And the last one was awful. They're starting at a very low point with the hopefully not fulfilled trilogy of Exorcist Believer. That uh, I missed it, but Alliance of Women Film Journalists selected that as the biggest time waster remake or sequel. <laughs> well, this is a very controversial pick for my uh, most disappointing film of the year because a lot of people love Ari Aster and I have now picked his films to be my most disappointing twice after liking his first film, his third film, Bo is Afraid, which is now streaming on Max and on HBO if you want to have it. Bo is Afraid is... Ugh, I, I Maybe I just don't get Ari Aster. I didn't get Midsummer, even though I'd like to see the long extended version of Midsummer, just to see if it gets better. But I would not like to see a long extended version of Bo is Afraid because that movie just took me places that I maybe I got lost at the end. But it wasn't just the end that was dumb. The whole thing I didn't get. So maybe I'm too stupid to enjoy Bo is Afraid. Right, Lynn? Right. Well, I uh, regretfully have not seen it. Uh, I was in the hospital, I think, when it came out. And after well, you know everybody... what? It's, it's going to be horrible for me to say you were better off in the hospital than watching <laughs> three hours of Bo is Afraid. Alex, think... did you see it? I did. I mean, I like I like the craft behind it. But I think look at you. An... Look at you offering some positivity about it. You're <laughs> polishing a turd, young man. Well, I mean, I do think that like it's a lot for like not really all that much. You know, like the ending doesn't like, all the work that you put into this movie and then it ends like that. Yeah, no, the ending is crazy. It's not it's unearned. Yeah. But I do really like the beginning of it, I will say that. It's it okay. starts strong. But, yeah. Yes. The the New York City, him trying to like the homeless people, that 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 part I was all right with. And I, you know, and I said to myself, you know what? I maybe I'll like this one. Nope. And then it just gets dumber after that. All right, so you both have a lot of um, honorable mentions. Awesome. I only have, I only have three, and uh, Lynn, you're going to be mad at two of them. Uh, three. <laughs> I'm going to start start with Saltburn. I don't. I didn't put it in my top because I don't think it earns its ending, which we were just talking about sticking the landing. Cocaine Bear is exactly what Cocaine Bear should be, and I enjoyed it. And then I want to give some love to Taylor Swift, the era's tour, because the production values in that movie are fantastic. You get, you don't see a single camera. You don't see any cuts. It was filmed over a course of several nights in Los Angeles, I think three. And you can't tell which is, which night is which night. Cause normally you can, Oh, that's on. And the Swifties, I'm sure know what night. Oh, that was from night two. That was from first night. But to the layperson, it's seamless. It's like you're spending a night with Taylor, and I appreciate it very much. All right, Alex, you haven't spoken. Give us some of your uh, honorable mentions. All right. Um, yeah, I limited myself to 10 since 
I, I probably would have like 30 total, but okay, so here's what they are. So I have They Clone Tyrone, Poor Things, Talk to Me, um, 20,000 Species of Bees, which premiered at uh, Sliff, but I don't think it's gotten a wide release yet, but that's a must watch when it comes out. Uh, Showing Up, Blackberry, American Fiction, The Holdovers, Robot Dreams, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 because I know it's it's an imperfect movie but there are individual sequences in it that are just mind-blowingly awesome. So I just the, had the to motorcycle have that in there. I have to go over it where, I, straight down. See, that's funny. I thought that was really well done. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the motorcycle scene, uh my stomach flip-flopped. <laughs> that was yeah, an incredible an, an incredible scene. Uh the Alex, um, Oh, go, go ahead, Lynn. Well, no, I was going to ask Alex about Talk to Me, which I enjoyed. There is going they are they've already filmed a prequel. They filmed it at the same time about the two guys that are at the very beginning of the movie. They're mm -hmm. now talking about a sequel. Will the sequel follow the African American girl or the white girl? Um, or well, what, I'm not which sure. Do I don't. Prefer? Or do or, or does it just follow the hand? Yeah, I kind of want it to just follow the hand itself because i do feel like talk to me is a complete story that doesn't it need is. a sequel so i'd no, rather they now, just... now the prequel is how they got the hand those two oh. guys got the hand which they filmed just like uh with uh they with x and pearl they filmed hmm. them both at the same time okay yeah so I'm, that's I'm, coming out soon yeah i'm skeptical about that but i think talk to me is just an incredible like visceral horror experience so okay yeah. Lynn, did you see that? I did not. You it was. To, it, I know. Talk to it me was, was our it, number one horror film. I know. I did not vote in that category because I didn't have enough. But I will say that um, um, it is on my list. I cannot watch horror movies late at night, and therefore I've been delayed in watching. It is, it, well, I think you'll hate it because there is one it starts out with a brutal scene you're like oh well that's probably the worst of it no nope. it is not the worst of it if you can't handle the first five minutes of talk to me lynn you should stop watching what's the hulu one with uh caitlin devers about she's in the the alien invasion uh what's the name of that i really like that she's in the Something, house no one will save you no one will save yeah. you. no one will save yeah. you that should have been released wide uh and not thrown on hulu i'm just saying all right so. alex i didn't mean to cut you off what, yeah keep going oh um let's see was uh yeah i think mission Impossible was my last honorable mention uh all right lynn what do you got for us all right at number uh 11 of my i'm not gonna name them all but if i would have had a top 12 all of us strangers would have been number 11. Huh. Uh, nobody prepared me for the emotional impact of this movie. And now I've watched it twice and I've listened to a bunch of uh, panels with the stars. And this movie is devastating in its emotional heft and it's a ghost story. And Andrew Scott is so good. And Jamie Bell and Claire Foy. Jamie Bell just broke my heart. See, that's the thing. You love Jamie Bell. That's <laughs> what it is. 
It's I like know. Max. It's like Max and uh, Natalie Borman. I know. I have a very maternal uh, uh, in instinct for Jamie Bell because he was Billy Elliot. And, and, uh, and Chalamet. You have the same feelings for Chalamet, even though Wonka was Max's second worst movie of the year. It wasn't my... Yeah, I liked it. I, I, I found it in Charming I and Delightful. And Hugh Grant was hilarious. And it brought a tear to my eye, the whole the end thing. And he's singing Pure Imagination. So I was good with it. But it, nobody's going to mistake Timothy Chalamet for Josh Groban. So, you know. So, um, right. Uh, but anyway, I was, um, what was I going to say? I don't know. Oh, okay. So number 12 would be American Symphony, the documentary about John Batiste and his wife, Suleika Jouad. And I have great affection for those two as uh, humans. And their story is heartbreaking and heartwarming. And they are two remarkable people. I read something the other day that said, John Batiste has no off switch to his inner light. And okay. I think that's wonderful. And they met when they were uh, 12 and 14 at band camp. And I just find that adorable, but oh. it's a, it's a year in their life where he's experienced the highest of highs with his Grammy nominations and wins and writing an American symphony. And she has found out that her, her uh, leukemia has returned after 10 years and she has to undergo a bone marrow transplant. So they both experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And I'm happy to report that they're doing well. And I guess because I'm so invested in their story that I just find it so universal. And anybody who's ever gone through a cancer journey with their loved ones knows this story. And so it's so relatable. And um, I was part of the store, um, a, a pre-screening of it for, cause I'm part of her writer's community and uh, we got to watch it with them and they got to talk afterwards and the reaction around the country what of all these women going through you know like moms whose kids had cancer and stuff it's just really heartwarming to see a movie touch that many people and i'm sorry it didn't make my top 10 but still a michael j fox movie also made my honorable mention because it's remarkable not only in him letting his story out there being brave about his battle with parkinson's when he walks down the street that's one of the most visually alarming pieces of film. And we grew up what you know, he's been part of our lives since he was a, you know, young kid. And um, he, Davis Guggenheim, St. Louis native, directed that in such a unique way. I think that's why that documentary really takes hold. And I hope and, you guys. And that's on, that's on Apple Plus right now. Right. Apple TV plus. Okay. So quick, I'll just do another rundown of the things. A uh, dream scenario, the Nicholas iron cage, John wick chapter four, remarkable film. Chad Stahelski was in my top five directors because it is a remarkable feat of action of, of an action film. Yeah. Iron claw. I was not prepared for this one either. I knew about one brother. 
Oh, fun yeah. fact. Kevin Von Eric. Yes. Was born in Belleville, Illinois. Was, was were they doing a match here? Doing um, wrestling at the sure, chase? Because you know they were doing wrestling at the chase a lot. I'm yeah, they sure. traveled. Yeah. 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 So how about that? And then um a million miles away is a feel-good movie on Amazon Prime about the first Latino to go to space. And Michael Pena, one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood, is marvelous. And this is a story. Well, that's one of the reasons that Ant-Man didn't do well, because there was no Michael Pena. Those, that whole crew that was, you know, it's even funnier because, you know, they're the comic relief and Paul Rudd's your main guy, but your comic relief with T.I. and Michael Pena and the Russian, they're, they're not in that movie. It, it suffers for that. Oh, I know. Uh, yes, I know. He's good in everything. First watch or not, mm -hmm. not first watch. What's the end of watch? Yeah. End of yeah, watch. Yeah. Yes. I always say first. Watch. Thank you. Alex. That's where you can go get breakfast. Oh Lord. Okay. And then I you put forgot. May December mention. As an honorable mention. Okay. I thought you hated that movie. I didn't hate it. I was it was unsettling and disturbing and cringy. But the more I have revisited it, and that the kid, Charles Melton's performance is heartbreaking. And I have uh, done a lot of revisiting his role and um what does your He's, women's film group say about that? The we, women's journalism group. Well, I'm more into the CCA women's committee. We have discussions on films all the time because we give our Sophie seal of em, em, empowerment uh, to movies. And so we have really deep, serious discussions. Like at first, everybody was gung ho on fair play. But then that end, everybody was like, no, no. no. No, 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 no. We're not voting for this one. And then poor things. No, no, no. We did not give it our seal. And then um, what was the other one that everybody had a lot of issues with? And we were like, no. But uh, we used to do the Brechtel, the Bechtel test. Bechtel test, yes. But now we're we're broadening that because you're, you're because past that. Because of that, past lives didn't get our seal. And many of us were upset that past lives didn't get our seal. So we said, we got to revisit our rubric. So Now, hold on a second. There, I want to say that past life does pass that test. Okay. Maybe not. Unfortunately, no. That's why we were all upset it didn't get our seal. Because definitely that, that would have been. And... Um, yeah, the uh, color purple. And for people that don't know what that is, because, you know, sometimes you have to explain. Someone's listening for the first time. That's where two women talk to each other, not about a man. It's it's real simple. And a lot of movies don't pass that test. I know. So we've had brought it. But one of our other things is they have to have like a female director or, or writer or um they have to have females in the creative part of it. That's one of our big things. So we gave it to Color Purple, even though the director is a male. And some people had issues with that. But we were like, well, Oprah's the producer. So we'll let it Past go. Past Lives is directed by a female. 
I know. I know. Now that did really well in the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. It got a lot of nominations too. So is Spoke is that all of your uh, is that all yeah. of your honorable and, mention, Lynn? Yeah, um, we'll do that for now because I can't. Uh, I'm really blanking on the rest of them. Go ahead. All right, but so I would like to hear your yes. I would like to hear your top ten. Let's go round robin. Start with you, Lynn, and then Alex, and then I'll wind up. What is your number ten, Lynn? It is. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. This movie. Kelly, uh, Kelly Freeman Craig, writer-director, does not hit a false note. It is one of the best coming-of-age stories ever. Abby Fortson-Ryder gives the juvenile performance of the year. Rachel McAdams and Benny Safdie as her parents. Wonderful. Uh, Kathy Bates as the grandma. It says so much about girlhood. In, in such a wonderful way. So that's why I have it on my top 10. Yeah, and just like fitting in at any age too, because I, I feel like right. the movie does a great job not just focusing on Margaret, but her grandma and her mom too, what they're going through, so. Good point. And I have to correct you, Carl. Uh, Alex isn't a millennial, he's a Gen Z. Oh, sorry. Okay. We got the Zoomers and the Boomers. Ha. <laughs> All right, Gen Z. You're a a Gen X, aren't you, Carl? I am a Gen X. All right. Yeah, my number 10 is Barbie. And yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone, anyone who's listening to it has probably already seen Barbie, but... And they have their own opinion about it. Yeah, but I just, I mean, it's visually extravagant and really, really funny. Great performances from Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in particular um yeah and i i really admire the film for like how like how strong it is and it's in conveying all of its ideas and stuff it's not trying to be like universally loved like it i feel like it has its viewpoints and sticks to them um you know really incisive takedown of the patriarchy and a universal ode to empowerment and it's also interesting. It's like a, a critique and celebration of the Barbie brand itself, which is really interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm just, it's really impressive that it got made and was so successful. And yeah. Right. Well, my number 10 is a movie I didn't think I would like. And I was very surprised by it because of all the little Easter eggs in it. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, is a fun movie. Even if you don't like Dungeons and Dragons, what you just said about Barbie, it's impressive that it got made. It's impressive that it worked. And it's impressive that it was well done. No one thought, oh, well, this is just going to be another, uh, uh, you know, thing to make money. It's not, there was a, it was well-crafted by people who actually played Dungeons and Dragons. And you could tell that that love for the game is in the movie and you've got little Easter eggs in the whole thing, even to like the nineties TV show that show up at the end. It's in, as I talked to Jim Batts about it, it's the little things in Dungeons and Dragons rather than the big things, even though the big things work too. Lynn, what is your number nine? It is air. Total crowd pleaser. Well-constructed, what a great script, and what a great ensemble cast. Killer soundtrack. 
I loved everything about this movie and I knew the story and yet it's still so fascinating. So uh, kudos to that. It came out early. That's how come it's not getting the love at the end of the year, I feel. But I just. It's uh, not, it's not, I think this is on Apple Plus, too, as well. Oh, it's Amazon. Oh, it's Amazon. OK. Yeah, it's where, on just, Amazon. Where you can buy uh, the shoes as well. Yeah. And uh, one of my I uh, just real quick, one of my honorable mentions I forgot was Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, because I keep doing the G because you got to add Guy Ritchie to it. But uh, that is an action movie for the ages and one of the best of the Iraq Afghanistan war movies. Just saying. OK, Alex, what's your number nine? Yeah, my number nine is Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Um, yeah, just echoing what. Lynn's saying um I think it's it's really relatable sensitive coming of age story and I held off on watching it for a long time because I was like it's I probably it's a girl movie I probably won't connect with this movie like I'm not the target audience but I feel and like you it did. Has a, yeah I absolutely loved it um yeah I think Abby Ryder Fortson is amazing Rachel McAdams is great and it is probably Benny Safdie's best role like yes, I, I think he's incredible. He's better than that than he is in Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, he is an Oppenheimer, right? But yeah, I, really. I good. thought I thought uh, in a uh, good time that yeah. he he was really uh, that character, uh, you know, acting because that's the first time I ever saw him, and then uh, he just endlessly surprises me. Plus, he's part of that. Carl and Ma Max didn't believe there were two Safdie brothers. Yeah, that, but that I just want to say. They are brilliant, and I'm happy to see him in these odd roles for, you know, because you yeah. think he's this really weird, you know, quirky individual, and he's playing a dad, and he mm -hmm. did it really, really well. Well, my number nine is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. After what we got for Crystal Skull, I am glad that this is the capper of the indiana jones saga they did so many things right they didn't try to make him superman at 80 years old they had stunts that an 80 year old guy would do that that's why there are more chases rather than him running down the street and the nods to the old movies and the way it ends is perfect for the indiana jones uh septology no wait five of them is that right I don't know. But anyway, I thought this was a better capper on the Indiana Jones story than Crystal Skull. And that's why it's number nine for me. Lynn, what's your number eight? My number eight is Maestro. <laughs> and I know it's controversial. And I know uh, I, I am the first to say, if you don't know anything about Leonard Bernstein, you're going to be disappointed. Oh, by the way, there is a, a documentary on Max about Leonard Bernstein and it's fascinating and it fills in the holes. They went with the relationship over uh, explaining more of his career. You know, there's no date stamps. I've been championing this, but Leonard Bernstein was a big part of my uh, life in terms of music and art. And I love the, the, the intent of this film. The look of this film is beautiful. The music he composed my, you know, it's argue West Side Story is arguably the greatest musical theater score of all time. And on the waterfront, when you watch that again, his musical score is fantastic. 
And then I grew up with him on the young people's concerts, teaching us about classical music and his flamboyance. Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan are near career best in these performances. So therefore it's number eight on my list. Alex, Alex disagrees with you, but Alex, what's your number eight? Yeah. Well, my number eight is another really polarizing film. It's a, uh... Kyle Edward Ball's Skinnamarink, which came out early last horror year. Horror movie. Yeah, horror movie. Um, very experimental. Um, it's it doesn't really have like a clear cut narrative, but it's like two small children trapped in their house at night and all the, the windows and doors start disappearing. So there's a lot of like yeah, and like I guess they're only comforted by their TV, which shows public domain cartoons. They made sure of <laughs> saying that at the beginning, but but yeah, I guess like a lot of the movie is just shots of like empty doorways and like ceilings at night. But it really taps into that primal childhood fear of the dark, and yeah, it's just it knows exactly what buttons to push. I mean, for me specifically. I guess because like a lot of people just think it's really boring because you're like, it's you're just staring you're at a watching wall. indoors, which I, I mean, yeah, but that can be scary if you're trapped. Yeah, the suspense is like practically unbearable at some points, and like it is so effective, and I just haven't been able to stop thinking about it. So, yeah, you just you just need to uh, get over allow, it. Yeah, allow yourself to just accept what the film is. And just immerse yourself in it, and there's nothing like it. So that's why it's on my list. Well, this number eight movie, set with myself for not watching it earlier, I enjoyed The Marvels, which is the latest movie in the MCU, and it's the shortest movie in the MCU. It doesn't end with a CGI fight, it does have CGI at the end, but Lynn, you know how much I talked about how I thought the first two episodes of Ms. Marvel were as good as anything that the MCU has done after Endgame. So the fact that they brought some of that playfulness into this movie, I enjoyed the Marvels. I really think that more people should see it. And once it's on Disney+, Plus, I think it will go the way of Elemental, which did not have a good box office run, but had a strong run on Disney+. Plus. And I hope that people will revisit it once it's streaming. It, you make me want to see it again. So that's the point of film reviews. Lynn, what's your number seven? It is American fiction. It is a biting social satire with a killer cast. Jeffrey Wright, just to watch Jeffrey Wright play this erudite professor trying to act like a thug. <laughs> it says a lot, but it also has a family dynamic that's interesting. I don't know if I necessarily buy Sterling K. Brown as the irresponsible brother. But uh, I uh, really enjoyed what this movie says. Cord Jefferson makes an impressive directorial debut. Alex, what's your number seven? All right. My number seven is a movie called Menu Plaisir Le Trois Gros, which is four a, a, a hours. Four, it is four hours long. And I watched it in two two hour sittings, which I that was I felt like that was a good way to watch it. But um so yeah it's, it's a directed, documentary yes it's directed by frederick wiseman and um 
it kind of positions viewers as flies on the wall in several restaurants in the French countryside run by the, the Trois-Gros family. So like really high-end restaurants. And you observe like all their preparation and brainstorming and everything. So you really get an appreciation for the craft of them making all this food and the passion they have for the art of cooking. And so you also like, visit all the the producers for the restaurants like local winemakers and cheesemakers and cattle farmers and they go into all their processes for um, how they run their operations and yeah so it's a very meditative like satisfying watch and I know it is like it doesn't have any music or narration or anything <laughs> you're just watching people do their stuff but yeah, I just, I found it really inspiring and invigorating. Um, so yeah, not for everyone, but yeah, I'm just like, as an immersive experience, like you feel like you are there and you're just, you get a new appreciation for what, all the craft of what they're doing. So. Well, if you want to have the uh, same feeling of that, except in New Mexico, and if you're a Wes Anderson fan, my number seven is Asteroid City, which I thought was going to be bloated and stupid. It was not. It was rather sweet. And I liked the story. I, I wish they could have squeezed Bill Murray in there, but he would have actually been too much for even for a Wes Anderson film. I thought Asteroid City was a good addition to the Wes Anderson oeuvre. But the thing is, if you don't like Wes Anderson, you're not going to like this movie because he's one of those guys. You, it, he's too twee. Well, then this movie's not for you. Lynn, what's your number six? It is Anatomy of a Fall. I've said this overused phrase a lot, Hitchcockian, but it is in the very best sense. Hitchcock uh, didn't do uh, courtroom dramas, though. No, but I find it very fascinating because it's it changes our perspectives and the tones and the shifts and uh, i'm i was just intrigued by it it won the script the screenplay award last night at the golden globes yes it did and uh i just find it uh fascinating you don't always like the wife you wonder if the kids telling the truth it's just and the 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 prosecutor I don't even know who this guy is, but wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. So all the elements to this, to me, was just fascinating. Alex, your number six. Yep. So my number six is Godzilla Minus One, uh, directed by Takashi Yamazaki. Yeah, this is probably one of the biggest surprises of the year for me. Um, yeah, because I guess in Godzilla movies, you don't usually expect to care a whole lot about the human characters but no in godzilla minus one like they have fully fleshed out three-dimensional characters that you really care about their survival um yeah and they don't try to humanize godzilla the monster itself at all either um so yeah it's just intense emotional and it has a lot of really crowd-pleasing set pieces especially near the end that I'm just like, man, what a satisfying movie, you know? Yeah. I was surprised Agreed. at how emotional it was. Mm -hmm. You, you invest in these characters and when do you invest in Godzilla characters? But I was also surprised at how 
terrifying Godzilla was because he looks like a prehistoric monster. He doesn't look like a CGI, Hollywoody crafted movie monster. It it should be winning all the visual effects awards everywhere. I can't believe it's not, but I'm like incredible visuals. Yeah. It's terrifying. It re- he's terrifying in it. Okay. Uh, no, go ahead. Um, number six of mine is a film that has been mentioned. Barbie is a movie that should not have been made, but it was, and it was made well. There is actually a story to Barbie. It's heartfelt. It's not anti-man. It's pro-woman. You can be both things at the same time. You can be pro-woman and not anti-man. The final line is hilarious. There are so many fun things in Barbie that shouldn't work that do work. And I actually was surprised that it was so low on my list, but we'll find out why in a minute. Let's get to our top five, Lynn. What do you have? The zone of interest. I've heard many of my uh, colleagues criticize it in the last couple of weeks. And I, uh, I always appreciate other people's opinions, but I do feel the fact that it's so ordinary is why it's so chilling because we're right next to Auschwitz and these people are going about their daily lives and talking about coveting these dresses that they ripped off the Jews and, and uh, try uh, just acting normal about the final solution to the quote unquote Jewish problem. And to me, it's a cautionary tale for today. And it's a uh, chilling uh, in what it represents from the forties and how what we don't see is more terrifying than what we do see. And I think it's brilliantly done. You have the same actress at number six and number five. I know she's having quite the year, Sandra Fuller. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alex, number five. Yep. Uh, number five, I have Past Lives. Um, yeah, just a really artfully constructed love story. Great, excellent performance from Greta Lee, as well as T.O.U. and John Magaro. Um, <laughs> the yeah, book I... he wrote's called Boner. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. It's it, it, and it's just little details like that. Mm-hmm. How even yeah. more successful? Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, mean, I, I yeah, it is like semi autobiographical for director Celine Song, but I feel like it's a story like pretty much anybody can connect to. Just looking back on what ifs and has not taken and such, and I just it was very moving and very hard hitting emotionally. It's like it is a very like tender movie. And then afterwards I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, wow. (laughs) It's one that sticks with you. Go ahead. Yes. Well, my number five is the one that Lynn just mentioned anatomy of a fall, even though in the trailer, I don't want to say this, but in the trailer, if you watch closely, you can see how the defense wins. Because after you watch the movie and then you watch the trailer, you'll go, oh, that is exactly what they said happened. So don't watch the trailer first because it might spoil it for you. But Anatomy of a Fall, I thought was so well done. And I 
really enjoyed watching it because I had no idea what was going to happen. And um, uh, I, and I believe yeah, the kid. Your loyalty. Yeah, your loyalty. Now, one of my friends thinks the kid was lying. <laughs> See, that's that's the beauty of this movie. Paul yeah, Hibbert. I do too. Yeah, Paul you think the Hibbert. kid was lying? No. That's mm -hmm. why he didn't want his mom around, so he knew that it, well, without no well, spoiling. We shouldn't, yeah, we, we can't spoil it, because it's not on streaming yet. I checked, and so more people need to see it. But what I loved about this movie is that y your your thoughts, your loyalties shift throughout while you're watching it. Well, and, and, and it's, like, it's she's, she's German, but the movie's in French, but there's still a lot of English in it. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Well, and another thing, uh, somebody said that if you watch the police reenactment, then you know what happened. Right. And I, I was, you know, and I was like, oh. But the the, okay. the the view you have is of the kid and he's blind, so he wouldn't see that. Yeah, it's, it's just there's so many layers to it. And that's why I liked it, because it was just so different because um, and, you know, that's just the same as I feel with my number four past lives. It's not a Hollywood ending. It's they would do the soap opera thing. But this is normal life. And I think Celine's song, that is another remarkable writer directorial debut for, for a film. And T.O.U., Greta Lee, and John Majero are pitch perfect. And I love the pillow talk that they're having um, about you visiting you know the childhood friends but it's so much about looking back at your life and the people that have influenced it and uh you know that phrase people are in your lives for a season or a reason yes mm -hmm. and uh i i just love what it says and and how it says it and a lot of people are oh it's too slow people. no no it's delicate and deliberate and that's what i like about these it's not a international film although alliance of american Women film, film journalists put it in international but well, also uh, wrong. i know it is american uh film but well, she's she was canadian and now she's american right and she's yeah. big in the broadway theater community and uh i like that she stands up for herself right She's like, this it's is not, my life. The men are not deciding for her. She's deciding for herself. Yes. And that's what, that's just, that's just beautiful. But as I, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here on, on international films. I know people do not often want to watch subtitles or dubbed and they think it's going to be, but you are just, they're so rich. The teacher's lounge, perfect days will be coming out soon and we will talk more about them but they are among the best of the year too and i just love uh, european perspectives and uh alex will have to come on and talk about fallen leaves and uh mm -hmm. movies like that that just they're just so basic but they say so much about people because they don't have all the bells and whistles of american movies and they just get right to the story and that's what i love so much about uh international film okay that's my little side tangent alex number four yep my number four is the zone of interest and yeah i agree with everything lynn said about it um 
I mean, Mika Levi's score is just incredible. It is like pretty sparse, like mostly at the beginning and the end, I guess. But man, that it's just truly haunting. And just the sound design throughout, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I think it has another really provocative ending that kind of turns the camera back on us, the viewers, too. And yeah, it's just, it's made me think a lot about like what I've shielded myself from for the sake of normalcy. Like, I mean, zone of interest is kind of an, an extreme way to convey that <laughs> idea, <laughs> but I mean, I think it has themes it's that a metaphor. can connect to. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, truly chilling, but I don't think I'll ever forget it. It's a great movie. I went back well, and watched his testimony at Nuremberg. That'll just. Yeah. Whoa. Well, my number four is a lot lighter than that. It is a movie about Michael Jordan without Michael Jordan in it. I loved Air because of all the details that they got right. They have uh, a fantastic cast. The soundtrack, I was uh, going into high school when this movie was coming out, and I can attest that all of those songs were being played on the radio and being played around town, and that actually put it over the top for me because that helped me out so much. But I you didn't realize that back in 1983, Nike wasn't a thing for shoes, for basketball or athletic shoes. They were a running shoe and that was it. And so the story is amazing. If you didn't realize how it was made, how the shoe was made, how they had to go around and how many things, I mean, also the language is just like, a, I know sports agents, that's how they talk. So the authenticity of this movie is what made it up so high for me. I like that they didn't use Michael Jordan. He's just background. I thought well, that was they, a smart he, move. They showed him the script and he had uh, two, a couple notes. And one of them was to add a character and one was to take out a character. So, and one of them currently worked at Nike and he's like, well, I didn't have anything to do with making Michael's shoe. And so they took him out and put the other guy who actually made the shoe in the movie. And one of them was, uh, I believe the Chris Tucker character needed to be added in because that helped him make his decision or his parents make the decision. So yes. And Michael he also Jordan was involved. He also asked. Yeah. Cause Ben Affleck, did talk he he did request Viola Davis play his mom and it's a terrific performance it's being overlooked Lynn what do you have for number three number three the holdovers I've seen this movie three times now and it speaks to me and I think uh I've always enjoyed Alexander Payne's work did not like downsizing however and uh, this, the original script here by Dave Hemmingson is just remarkable in terms of how many layers. But I, I guarantee it's on Peacock now. So if you go watch it, you just find endless things. But Paul Giamatti, it's just this one. Look at this one. See that? I thought that's funny. <laughs> oh, my God. You know how many so times Paul Giamatti has been asked that in his life? <laughs> and he's and he. uh 
He plays what I like. It's set in 1970, and it is so perfectly constructed. It is very 1970. Oh, my God. And then that soundtrack, when they play Cat Stevens, The Wind, is so beautiful. And just the the all-boys school. And Dominic Sessa, what a debut. They found him at some prep school, and he just did school plays. And now he's going to have this tremendous career. And Divine Joy Randolph as the grieving cook whose son has been killed in Vietnam and how she navigates the holidays. You know, I, 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 I have, I share this experience with her and uh, it's just wonderful. And a friend of mine was saying, I don't get divine joy's performance. And I said, watch it again. And you will. And I, I just got a performance. I think she's her, all the awards that she's getting are earned. I wish Richard McAdams would get some of, some of the love in there too, but, it's hers to lose. Oh, yeah. When she's telling Paul Giamatti to be nicer to Dominic Sessa. Yeah, it's it's so good. But how they bond and that that anger and that loneliness about being by yourself on the holidays. That is a real thing. And they tap into that. And uh, this professor couldn't be quirkier. And I love that Paul Giamatti does not let these insufferable rich kids get away with stuff like he makes them work for their grade and and, and his his story is surprising as well yes and that's why we can't talk about it. but no there's layers to this movie that you're surprised mm -hmm. you know because it starts one way and then it, it goes into uh a different you know different ways but i just think it's one of the best of the year so that's why it's three. Alex, you're number three. Yep. My number three is Fallen Leaves from director Aki Korzmaki, a Finnish filmmaker. Um, yeah, I guess it's a, a rom-com-esque movie, but with really dry deadpan humor. Um, yeah, a story of two lonely souls finding purpose and happiness with each other. And I just, I think it has possibly the year's best script in my opinion and in, in 82 minutes it can tell a complete story it's not doesn't have to be like three or four hours long and yeah I just it's full of like small moments of compassion um, within all these bleak circumstances that the characters are in um, yeah it's a really hopeful movie and yeah, it just it gave me a little bit more faith in humanity after watching it. I'm like, it takes a lot for a movie to do that for me, but I'm just like, it's I could just watch it on a loop forever and be happy probably. Yeah, Carl, you watch. would love. Oh, Carl, you would love the soundtrack. Sorry, Alex, to think. Yeah, the uh, soundtrack I, is incredible too. Uh, it, it, there's this one thing they're in this karaoke bar in this, <laughs> and they all look miserable. And the songs are all these happy songs. Like this one bar plays a Mambo Italiano and everybody, and, and they're all looking like they their dog has died. <laughs> and, and like like the rest of Coors Mackey's movies, like it has a lot of empathy for people on the margins. So I think that shines through in this film too, even well, through all the dry humor. Speaking of people on the margins, my number three is on Netflix. It's Nimona, a movie that uh, has has no right to even exist thanks to Blue Sky 
shuttering down and Disney shit canning it. And then uh, Annapurna came around and said, yes, we are going to finish this film. Chloe Grace Moretz plays the mysterious Nimona. Riz Ahmed is the knight who is banished for unknown reasons. And if you know the graphic novel, you might be surprised at how good this movie is because the journey of making this film from the novel is very, it's a story in itself. And the fact that it's good makes it even better because N.D. Stevenson didn't ever think this film would be made. And I'm glad it was made. And the joy I had watching it was fantastic. Yeah, I got to watch it still. I forced Lynn to watch it. Really liked it. Really liked it a lot. And in fact, uh, one of our women's categories in Alliance of Film Film Journalists is the top female animated character. And I selected Chloe Grace Moritz from that film. But Gwen Stacy, uh, Haley Steinfeld from as Gwen Stacy won. And, and, and because that's more because more people have seen it. If they would watch Nimona, oh, it's it's about being an outsider. The the themes in that movie are universal to everyone because everyone has grown up and they feel have felt that way. I mean, if they've never felt the way Nimona feels, they have lived a very charmed life. Lynn, what's your runner up? Barbie. It has it's a taken, good movie. It is a good movie. It has taken on a life of its own. When I hear from women who say, oh, I'm not watching a movie about a doll. I'm like, it is so not just about a doll. But it is a springboard because Greta Gerwig, brilliant writer-director, uh, she is right. When Barbie came along, Little girls put their hopes and dreams onto these characters. It wasn't just about being a mom. It was having a career. And it was uh, my sisters and I, when we played Barbies, we did not have a Ken doll. And I love how they tap into Ken being just Ken. I'm just Ken. And Ryan Gosling, comic timing. Will win Best Supporting Actor. Oh my God, he is so funny. I've seen the movie now three times and every time I laugh so much when he when he discovers that men run the world. That's just such a great hook. And but not everything is about horses, Lynn, so he doesn't I, care that much. Yeah. And he comes back to Barbie land and he's like, if I would have had a couple letters behind my name and gone to medical school and swim lessons, I could rule that world. that they added swim lessons and i just love how he's like not lifeguard i do beach and it's it's smart barbie is smart i I know and you catch more the more you see it the the dialogue is just so brilliant and when america ferrara launches into her monologue about the impossible standards women um can't you know are are held to everybody in the theater applauded and everybody talks about that scene and it was our i'm really appreciative of the st louis film critics association love for this because 
it is, you know, we're one fourth. It women. is the best scene of the year. And it is the best scene. And just, but the costumes and the Rodrigo Prieto, who did Killers of the Flower Moon, did the cinematography here. And it's a killers, it's a banger soundtrack. Yep. Oh my God, that soundtrack is just so terrific. I wish Dua Lipa was more of a front runner than the Billie Eilish song. Yeah. I like I like the up tempo rather than, and I understand that what was I made for? It's just it's so slow. It won the song last night. I know it's yeah. just so slow. And I love Billie Eilish and I love Phineas, but I I prefer even the Charlie XCS song I like better than uh the Billie Eilish song or even the Nicki Minaj song, but I like the Dua Lipa song the best. I love the well the Dua Lipa song is great and she's so wonderful but lizzo's song hey barbie comment yeah yeah the the lizzo song to start the day those lyrics are just so female Mm -hmm. empowering and and it's so great and margot robbie everybody in that movie even will ferrell is like when he's trying to think of when the last uh, female executive they had at mattel (laughs) he's like we had one you know it's just so smart it's so smart, but it's with love. It's done with such affection. Ryan Gosling, I sat in on a virtual press conference and Ryan Gosling was talking about the crew was so into this movie and that they would have a pink day every day. And there are all these Teamsters wearing their pink. And everybody that worked on this is just so proud of it because it just is so unexpected. It was unexpected. I am the first person to say, I didn't buy into the Barbenheimer thing. I thought, oh, that's silly. How how are we going to do this? And it worked and it brought people back to the theater and they dressed up and they went to see it. And they also went to see a big brain movie, which kudos for that. But go ahead. And Alex, oh. your runner up of the year. Yeah, my runner up is uh, David Fincher's The Killer, which I mean, yeah, I've just I've gone back to it so many times. Um, I think it's a deceptively simple movie. And I think it actually has a lot to say about toxic masculinity and our always online society as, um, yeah. And I think Michael Fassbender's performance is really subtle because he's kind of depicting like this assassin that's kind of malfunctioning from the inside out kind of. Um, So I don't think it's just a revenge story. It's more of, him like trying to delude himself into uh, believing his mantras when like the humanity within him is pushing against it. Um, so yeah, I mean it's hyper violent. It's very dark, but it does have like you have a to really... like the Smiths. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of the Smiths in the movie, um, but yeah, I do think it's like it has some like sly comedy in it too. Oh, it has, like... there are parts that are very funny. Yeah. And an all-time great fight scene, a great cameo from Tilda Swinton, and an ambiguous ending that is prime for discussion. So yeah, I, I think it's it's been kind of overlooked a little bit, and, but I do think like you need to watch it with headphones to get the most out of it because I think the just sound like design in it, right? Yeah, exactly. It adds a lot to it. So I just yeah, amazing movie. My runner-up of the year is a movie you both already talked about, Past Lives. I can't stop thinking of this movie. The second it was over, I started thinking about it. And I'm surprised how many times I've come back to it 
And the most heartbreaking line of the film is when he says to her, I wish I didn't like your husband so much because it'd be easier if he hated. And it's not like a Hallmark movie where you know that the husband is bad and you're, she's going to end up with the guy that she's known from childhood. That's life's more complicated than that. And it is a fascinating story that I can't stop thinking about. And that's why it is my runner up for film of the year. Lynn, what is your favorite film of the year? It's one that you guys have uh, dissected. <laughs> Oppenheimer. I think it's Christopher Nolan's Magnus Opus. I think it is such a stunning achievement in sight and sound and scope and story. They took a 712 page book to me. And it made was... it 712 minutes long. <laughs> to me, it was riveting. I don't have a uh, I'm a right brain person and I was fascinated. I do agree about the Florence Pugh character. I was, uh, I just was entranced by the technological achievements here. Hoyt Van Hoytema, the cinematographer, and I really hope I got his name right. He created a film a black and white film for IMAX. So he's got, he, he like broke ground with his IMAX filmmaking. That score by Linus Gorenson, fantastic. The performance. Who does, does the music for The Mandalorian. The performances, Killian Murphy, career best is on screen practically the entire three minutes. To me, the most chilling you thing mean is- three hours. Three hours, what did they say? Three minutes. Oh, three hours. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that's Matt how, that's how long his That's how long Emily Blunt's in the movie as his wife. <laughs> three hours is, I mean, Matt Damon's so good. Matt Damon is always over. Matt Damon is good. He, He's they're always all good. good. But they're they're, all there good. are- you know, and I'm not going to uh, attack your favorite film of the year, but it seems like it's two or three movies going on at the same time. But yeah. you enjoyed that. You you were all about it. And I, I salute you. And I can understand how people are going to vote for Oppenheimer and how it is probably going to win Best Picture. Yeah. It's a big I'm not brain. disputing that. No, but I do think Christopher Nolan needs to get his due. Well, sometimes because, it feels like homework. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like Tenet. I'm not the biggest Interstellar fan. But uh, for what he, what to me, my number one favorite thing about Christopher Nolan is he does not rely on CGI. No, and he wants practical to effects. See, he wants people to see movies on the biggest screen possible. And he what he does the loyalty that he has with those repertory people that keep coming back but look at that cast gary oldman as harry truman i didn't even know that was tom conti as uh as albert einstein but it goes through how many decades how you many didn't even periods. mention robert downey jr i know and he, who's fantastic who is uh he was ryan gossing's number one to me uh 
Robert Downey Jr.'s number two, but he did win the supporting actor of the Globes. Yes. And his speech was hilarious. Go ahead, everybody. I'm taking All right, Alex. Time. Oh, Alex, yeah. what is your number one film of the year? My favorite film of the year was John Wick Chapter 4. And I know it's not the most, like, uh, poignant, like, thought-provoking narrative, but I think it's a new achievement in action filmmaking. And Chad Stahelski is just an incredible artisan of all the carnage that's going on and Keanu Reeves gives a great performance um he doesn't talk all that much in the movie it's true but I think he perfectly embodies the John Wick character and I think like I mean I love the whole series but this movie especially it has a storyline with stakes and heart and lots of suspense and so I'm just, especially the last hour, like that whole Paris sequence is just set piece after set piece. I'm just like, I could just watch that. And yeah, I, I keep going back to it. And it's just, it always like reinvigorates me about my love for movies. So that's why it had to go number one. And I feel like it deserves more recognition than it's getting. Now, do you expect uh, chapter five? Because right now they're not saying. Oh, man, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be unhappy, but I this think is a good capper. If I it ended it here, I'd be I'd be completely satisfied if this was it for the the Wick story. But but there's also the spinoffs. I didn't I didn't watch the Continental on Peacock, and yeah, they still say I. that they want to do the ballerina, which is actually that that's almost that's coming out. I want to March or April. Yeah, that, because that, that be takes good. place. Yeah. That takes place between uh is it two and three or three and four uh, i'm not sure okay but that one's coming out and mm -hmm. uh i think that'll be lance riddick's uh final performance because it had mm -hmm. been held so long and uh, you know what i actually think this was a it was a fine uh farewell for lance riddick because mm -hmm. that's how that world is and it's good for ian mcshane and i bet and you know he died suddenly right after that so it was weird. It, it wasn't a situation like they had to do for Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, where they had to write around it. They, yeah. they, they put a memoriam at the end of the movie for Lance Riddick, which I thought was really sweet. There mm -hmm. are sweet things in John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah, and for sure. it's it is it's a fantastic. I everyone's talking about the Sacre-Cœur scene. I think the scene shot from above like a video yes. game is a better action scene than that one. Yeah. And the stairs battle might even be better than that. Right. <laughs> it just keeps ramping up. And yeah, Donnie Yen is really good too. And Chimir Anderson. Yeah, he's he's amazing. And Scott Adkins has a great cameo too. Oh yeah, and they're also they're also saying that he might be related to Halle Berry's character because they both oh. are ha have dogs. So, oh yeah, and because you know she trained her dog and he trained his dog, so they might be related in some way. Hmm. Oh yeah, I did a deep dive after I watched it. I'm like, I want to know. I I wanted a little more from that. But my number mm -hmm. one film is the total opposite of John Wick Chapter Four, which I did like. Uh, are you there? Got it to me. Margaret is my favorite film of the year because nice. I thought that the care 
that was put into this movie. Judy Bloom wasn't going to let anyone ever make this movie. And then she saw Edge of 17, a film that was on my top 10 list in 2016 when that came out. I really enjoyed that movie with with Haley Stanfeld and uh, Woody Harrelson. That I love that movie. And then that she let that Judy Bloom saw Edge of 17 and said, you know what? I think I can trust the filmmakers to make this movie. And Abby as Margaret is great. The ending is perfect. It does justice to the book. And I really enjoyed it. And I agree with what you both said. I think that more pe people have pigeonholed this movie and that that's unfortunate because okay. I think more people would see it and more people would enjoy it. It's going to have a shelf life. Some of these movies that we put on our top 10 um, can only have so much of a shelf life. And then you go and revisit. And I think Margaret has staying power. But I also think because of its humaneness and its coming of age story, people just ignore it. And they do. They think it's a young adult novel. And it's so much more it's than that. So just many like people Barbie. have read it that they they have an ownership to it. And they think, well, they better not ruin my movie. But there are other films that, like To Kill a Mockingbird, I would say more people have probably seen the movie now than have read the book. Because the book was so loved and then the movie was so well done. I hope Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret uh, becomes like that in future times. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, you've all had that experience of you go back and you look at your top ten. And you look at the movies that you didn't put on it and you think, yep. oh, I should have put that on. Or you come uh, to movies late. Like Midnight, I came in, Paris. To... Midnight yeah. in Paris should have been on in my top 10 list that year. Yeah, but that's a good one. I know. And I always that's the one I remember that I should have had on and didn't. Well, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago, this a Christian Bale movie called Hostiles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you saw it. You mm -hmm. saw it too late. I saw it too late. And I was like, Dang it. Because that's another thing, too. We have these movies that fall through the cracks, don't have the right distribution, or they're not given much. Or you forget about them. Play. And, uh, you know, because Air and Margaret came out early, came out in the spring. Yeah, and Air I came out in April. Yeah. And I said they are going to be on my top 10. And I do think that is that. So I really appreciate all your your thoughts it's always entertaining to hear your different perspectives of uh, i wanted to give a streaming update about what's available killers of the flower moon our um apple tv plus friday january 12th beyond utopia you can hit pause you can hit pause on that so you can just yeah, take I, a I break like it more. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes beyond utopia is on Hulu starting January 9th. So that's tomorrow. That, that was brutal documentary, but really good. Really, yeah. really good. Invisible Beauty is a very good documentary. January 18th comes out. Um, I Am Chris Farley was a documentary from a couple of years ago, and it came out 2015, and it's heartbreaking, and it is now on the CW. Just FYI. Huh. And uh, Waitress, the musical, I did talk about this, Carl, a while back. Yes. Because they only had it for five days. Well, right. it was such a huge hit, they extended it 
twice, and now it's going to be uh, digital tomorrow. But that's the premium digital. Right. So in February, it'll come out DVD and cheaper video on demand. And FOE, which all of us were highly disappointed in, is currently on Amazon as of January 5th. True Detective yeah. starts read the read the 4th. book read the book of FOE instead of see the movie. Did I did I give you that pin? Yes, you did. Okay, because I couldn't remember because I thought if anybody's going to get it, it's going to be Carl. I got it. <laughs> Stupid. I, I I just can't believe that they wasted two of the premier Irish talents in the world and made them Midwest farmers. Midwestern. Midwestern Farm. dirt farmers, yeah, <laughs> and they were so miscast, and but it does have some interesting twists. But by then, I had checked out. No, no, it's not interesting. Read the book; it's a thousand times better. And then, and who wrote that book? I don't remember. But you, yeah, at least you read it. Okay, True Detective starts January fourteenth on Max, <laughs> and there's a Ted prequel TV series that's on Peacock. Yes. Start in January 11th if you are Seth MacFarlane fans. <laughs> and I am a Seth how- MacFarlane fan, but Ted 2, uh, Ted 2 is so. Uh, Ted 2 erases everything that Ted stood for. There's no reason for Ted 2. I know. Uh, if uh, uh, for the awards, for those of you playing at home, Critics Choice Association is Sunday on the CW and I turned in my ballot Friday. So I can't change anything about it. But uh, I, Ian Reed is the author of Foe or F O. That's right. Foe. That's right. That's All right. right. So Alex, where can we find you socially? Um you can find me on Twitter slash X at GDogmicP and I'm writing for poplifestl.com. You mean right here? Yeah. <laughs> And Lynn, where can we find you? I am on KTRS Radio with Wendy and Jennifer every Friday at 11.08 a.m. I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times, and I am on the website, poplifestl.com. Where are you, Carl? You can can find me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk. On the weekends, you can find me on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on KMOX and 97.1. And you can find me on Instagram, X threads at underscore Carl the Intern. 99% of my posts are about hockey, but sometimes they're funny because people leave me notes on my desk and I post them. See uh, Society of the Snow that's on Netflix and on Max. You know how they put like about ready to leave movies, Last Chance? see a 2012 thriller called deadfall with a great cast and uh you will thank me for it deadfall and the yeah. first three john wick movies are on netflix now so you have oh they were on because... peacock yeah and but... then i i saw it on i saw john wick four on stars so mm-hmm. you can go to netflix and then if you have stars you can see john wick chapter four Mm-hmm. And the first three movies of John Wick all take place in the same week. Yeah. Yep. And then he then wow. he has to recover after, you know, he gets shot and falls off a building. 
Well, oh, Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret, which made, uh, the only two movies that made all of our similar lists were Barbie and Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret. So interesting. Nicely done. Nicely anyway, done. That's, that's on that's on stars. Oh, good. I'll watch it again. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Lynn is actually going to talk to you later this week. Yes, we're going to have the we're going to have a theater about Jagged Little Pill and the world premiere at the Black Rep. Hold on, which is based on the novel that Selma came from. Well, we're probably going to have that posted on uh, late Wednesday or Thursday. All right. See you at the movies. Bye-bye. Take care. Be safe with this weather. Bye.